0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. I hope you feel wrapped up with love in this community and you feel a little bit supported in your parenting situation through listening to conversations with my guests on this show. Today, you're listening to episode 88, and my guest is Emily Battle. Emily is the executive director for Let Me Run, which is a nonprofit wellness program that inspires boys to be themselves, be active, and to belong. They have a comprehensive curriculum that applies the power of running. You all know I love running. The program encourages boys to develop their psychological, emotional, and social health in addition to their physical health. This is such a cool program. I don't know if many of you have heard of Girls on the Run, which I had heard of for a very long time as the mom of four boys i was wondering if they had a program like this for boys and they do and emily is the executive director of this we talk about the importance of this connection that they create in the community at let me run and emily is also the mother of two boys herself so it's a great conversation on changing the societal narrative about being a boy and a man and becoming a role model and example to others This episode of the podcast is supported by Shoot Photography. If you need to get some summer pictures taken, book Shoot now it's so easy they are in 60 locations around the country it's free to book an appointment and then when you get your pictures back from your 30-minute session you can just decide which pictures you like they start at just $15 and um, when you use the code sandyboy at checkout for those pictures you will get a 15% discount as long as you buy up to five pictures or more Uh, great photographers great settings I'm sure they're near your location since they're in 60 locations around the country. There's actually three or four different locations where I live alone, where they shoot in different areas. So lots to choose from. Go to shoot, S-H-O-O tt.com. And when you purchase your pictures from your awesome session, I know you're going to have use the code Sandy boy at checkout. All right, friends. And if you are loving this podcast, please share it with your friends, anybody who you think might enjoy it and leave us a quick rating interview on iTunes or Spotify. That is a huge help in potential new listeners finding us. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Emily battle. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Emily Battle on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you so much.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So you are, are you in Charlotte, North Carolina? Yes,
1: I am. And I hear, are you down the road in Raleigh? Yeah,
0: down the road, just a couple hours. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Yep, I am here in Charlotte.
0: Okay, that's so cool. Well, Emily is the executive director for The nonprofit organization, Let Me Run, which I'm so excited about because uh, as a runner myself, I've been running since I was 15, I've always known about girls on the run, but I've never known about Let Me Run until actually recently uh, somebody told me about it like a couple months ago. And um, I have four boys myself, so it really (laughs) makes sense for me to know about this organization. Let's start with you, though, Emily. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. So I actually, like you, I'm a runner. um, And I started more with the uh, sprinting in high school and and middle school and stuff. But it's always kind of been a a part of my life. So yes, I'm I'm now the executive director of Let Me Run. Um, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina about six years ago. Um, My husband and I were in New York City before then. I have two young kids who, um, I have a girl who is six years old and a boy who is three. Um, so neither of them are at the appropriate age for any of the programs yet, but they will be soon. And um, yeah, I mean, I think for for me, um, my career has kind of gone from the corporate side of things to now the nonprofit and the running side, and it's been an exciting ride um, to be able to combine my passion for running um with some of the youth development and nonprofit background that I've been able to pick up along the road of my career as well so um that's a little bit of of who I am and what I'm doing now, I would like to say I'm still as much of a runner as I was in my past, but, um, children in life have changed that a little bit. So I kind of live vicariously now through the boys in the program and and some of the coaches, but, um, it's always been a passion and will remain so. And hopefully one day down the road, I'll have a bit more time to dedicate to it again.
0: I think it's all about like, there's different seasons in your life that it makes sense to do more of one thing and more of another thing. And, you know, I, I try to find other terms than seasons because I feel like that's such an overused term, but I, it is mm-hmm. so true. And I think that sometimes we put pressure on ourselves. Like I yeah. should be running more. I should be doing this more. And I'm really trying to get rid of the should in my vocabulary. So I like that you're just kind of like, it's going to happen again one day.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, and I agree. You know, if you think of another term besides seasons, please let me know as a <laughs> whole demographic who would love to find an alternate word. But, um, <laughs> it's just you know, it was great for um, certain seasons in my past, you know, as in grad school and single and all the time in the world. And yep. you know, hopefully there'll be another time where I can incorporate it in.
0: Um, So when you lived in the city, did you move to Charlotte before you had kids or right after you had kids?
1: I was about six months pregnant with our first. So I've been talking about, you know, getting out of New York for a while. I think for both my husband and I, we met up there, but it just, New York happened upon us as opposed to, you know, being very deliberate of we want to live in New York City. And then as New York can do, it gets its teeth in you and it gets harder to leave, but then also it turns to a point where it's also really hard to stay from a lifestyle perspective. So we kind of cast a net to some cities. And um, when we got pregnant, it was a good kick in the butt to get out of the city. And so um, Charlotte kind of really checked a lot of the boxes for us. And so we came down here and, and both our kids were born down here.
0: Did you Do you have family in Charlotte? Um, I have one set of
1: parents who are here. And um, my husband and I both actually went to UNC Chapel Hill. Oh, okay. So- It was a little bit, you know, we had connections and a network down here. And then my family, um, my other set of parents are still up in Massachusetts, which is where I'm from and grew up. And then um, we've kind of got, I've got siblings scattered about the country. So um, it's been a a good fit, though. It felt a little bit like coming home, but um, also something new. And the city's just changing so much, you know, that it kind of allowed us to reconnect to the familiar, but then also feel like, okay, we can chart our own way a bit. And it's a a city to explore.
0: Um, tell me a little bit about your work with the New York Roadrunners.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I mentioned, I, I started my career more on the corporate side of things, um, and strategy consulting. And then, um, I knew health kind of in all its forms was something of interest to me, you know, starting back in, in high school or so. Um, but never really having a clear vision of how that would take root and how that would play out in a career, knowing I, I wasn't going to go the clinician route. And then kind of as I thought through that, um, nonprofits really started to appeal to me as well. Um, and kind of that feeling, especially coming out of consulting, of wanting to feel like there is a visible and tangible impact of of what I was doing, which I think sometimes you miss when you're just consulting and you're jumping from engagement to engagement, you don't see a true result um, sometimes in the work. And so when I was in grad school, um, I got very into running. um, And, you know, I kept kind of struggling with what am I going to do after this? Um, And people always say, you know, follow your passion and the money, which I I laughed at because there was not a chance I was going to get be a professional runner. So, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how the money would ever, uh, of any amount, would ever come to be. And um, you know, so I'd gone back to consulting, and I was running a few road runners races each month for the most part. And one day, I was just on their site looking at some race photos, and I went over to the careers side of the website, and there was a post. Um, and two weeks later, was my first day there, um, and it was you know, probably an understatement in many ways to say that it was a dream job. Um, You know, both at the time, just the culture there and the people I got the chance to work with, you know, it's one of those days or one of those places that, yes, it's work. And there were some crazy times and schedules and stuff, but um, it was enjoyable to go there every day.
0: Mm, That's um, so cool.
1: And so um, I, my time there was really spent... Um, on the philanthropic side. So, you know, most people know it as the organizer of the New York City Marathon. Um, it is, in fact, a nonprofit, though. And so it is a community running organization that, yes, it has these very large milestone races, but it also puts on free programming for youth around the country. And so my focus was more on um, the foundation side and the raising money in order to put on those free programs for kids. So I worked with many charities around the country to help um, enable them to fundraise for their own organization by using the New York City Marathon to do so. And then um, over time, I also came to organize and run the international running part. So all the international tour operators who would bring thousands of runners each year to New York to participate. Um, I manage those relationships as well. So, um, again, I, I look back very fondly on my time there. And, um, even when we moved down to Charlotte, actually I continued with them remotely for about three. Yeah. And we'd just travel back up there, you know, kind of as needed and at least once a month to, uh, to spend time with the team.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Team for kids. How does that work though? Like it's, they have programs for kids all over the country. How does that Mm -hmm. work?
1: Yeah. So, so team for kids that you mentioned is actually the internal charity team of New York Roadrunners. That's adults who sign up to fundraise, to get entry into the New York City City Marathon. Um, And, but the, all the money they raise goes to the youth programming. So um, the programs, most of us called Rising New York Roadrunners and they're partnered with schools or school districts across the country to put them on typically as part of their school day. Um, and the kids run certain miles during the year and are up to certain milestones as well. Um, from what I remember, and when I left there in 2018, most of the programs or a lot of the programs were in the New York City area. But in fact, they were um, all over the country. And, and oftentimes, it was a PE teacher who might adopt it and bring in the program to the school. Hmm. Or it was another teacher administrator at the school.
0: Okay, so when you found out about Let Me Run, obviously, your experience made a lot of sense for this program. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about how that fell into place.
1: Yeah. So I, we, as I mentioned, we moved down to Charlotte and I, I kept the New York job, but I always had my eye on the market here in Charlotte. Um, trying to figure out what makes sense. What do I want as my next career step? You know, it was truthful, hard to swallow of walking away from a subject matter that I just loved. And that didn't really translate to much down here in Charlotte. So I just kept an eye out. And then after I had my second child, I decided to that was the right time to part ways with Roadrunners because the travel would, would get more difficult. And so I took a few months off just to to try and figure it out. And that was at the exact time that let me run and just launched a search to find a new executive director. And so they reached out and it did really feel like is a great career challenge for me, but then also to bring in all those components that I've come to love and enjoy in my career from the running, the health, and the youth development piece. So it was kind of a, a no brainer, um, at least on my side, that um, it was a great fit and a good next step.
0: Yeah. So let me run, Um, how much of like the model from Girls on the Run, how similar are the models? So I would
1: say the overall program structure is pretty similar in that you know, both programs meet two days a week um, and then, you know, have a run component in each lesson as well as a lesson activity kind of that focus on the larger aspects of, of health and wellness for the kids. So you've got the running part, the lesson activity, and then they are building up throughout the course of the season to end with their Salvatory 5K Um Our program, both programs are a bit different in the length of time. Um, So ours is a seven-week program. I believe Girls on the Run just cut back to a ten-week. I think they might have been a fourteen-week before. Um, And so again, that that general structure is is the same. We run through schools as an after-school program, or sometimes a before-school program. But in some ways, that's kind of where the you know the similarities end. Just because both are looking so much at the unique experience of being a girl or of being a boy. And certainly many of the lessons that we're teaching in the let me run curriculum. And I know that girls on the run does are applicable to both genders, but they're still kind of done through that unique lens of growing up as a boy and what you know, society tells you or what you're surrounded by or what you feel you should be. You know, I think we all know those are, are very different things in our our gendered world. And so, you know, I think both of Girls on the Run and Let Me Run try and really drill into what are the unique things that can create hardships or challenges for this gender as they grow up. And let's focus on those so that we can have the greatest impact possible. Um, but we both do serve about the same population as well in terms of um, we serve boys in grades three through eight, and at last check, um, girls on the run, I believe was still having that same age group as well. I mean, cause those are kind of critical years when a lot of changes are happening. A lot of development is happening. Um, and so we both tend to focus on those younger ages.
0: Hey everybody. I want to tell you real quick about hello. Skincare they have an amazing lash therapy serum that i have been using that i cannot get enough of i've never been one to do false eyelashes extensions anything like that that is way too much work and i actually always kind of rolled my eyes at these serums thinking yeah right do they really work but i started using lash therapy by hello skincare and after like two weeks time i noticed a huge difference in my lash length and the fullness I just apply it nightly and it moisturizes and helps with damaged hairs and maximizes the appearance of lash volume with each growth cycle. So they say you'll see big results in 60 days, but I say you see it even sooner. I also use their C Juvene and Time Machine serums. I use the C serum in the morning at the beginning of the day before I put any makeup on and I use the time machine at night at bedtime Um, these are great products and if I were gonna push you to one I would start with the lash therapy because I just cannot believe the difference so when you go to helloskincare.com you can use the code lindsayh20 and that'll get you 20% off your first order with hello skincare all right friends back to the show Yeah. So let's talk about boys. Let's, let's (laughs) just like go there. Yeah. Obviously this is a topic that's very interesting to me because I am the mother of four boys, but you know, I think, I think the conversation has been changing over the last few years, just like the conversation with like how we discipline our kids and things like that has been changing over the past few years. Um, but historically like boys, have been kind of taught more so to like hide their emotions and not not be as as loud about their feelings. And I know that this is something that's really important to your program to make sure that um, they feel like they can um, share their emotions and and be emotional human beings. We all we all have them. Um, so talk about how the program helps cultivate an environment that helps them feel comfortable doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. We call it the boy code is what, you know, you're kind of mentioning that society tells boys and what, what I see as the boy code is this restrictive and limiting societal framework thrust upon boys, kind of telling them what they should be, how they should be, what they should look like, what success looks like if you're a boy, you know, and it reinforces many of the negative expectations on boys too, that, you know, oh, they're, wild or they're aggressive or they're disruptive or they can't pay attention or sit still. And, you know, we um, the research actually shows that you know, boys are more emotionally expressive at birth than girls are. Um, and you often see that in the first few years, you know, they are kind of free to be themselves. And so you see that play out. And then as they grow up, they start to be aware of those expectations and kind of have that framework thrust upon them. And so you start to see them stuff down their emotions or that they don't ask for help or they feel like they can't show vulnerability or weakness and, you know, what they should and shouldn't be. And I think we see that the danger for boys as they internalize this and they're told not to feel or show emotion or be vulnerable is that then they don't know how to react when times are tough, you know, I mean, when life, when they encounter failure or disappointment or hurt, which they're going to, they don't know how to cope through it. And so that's why a lot of the time we see these statistics of boys, you know, two to three times more likely to fail out of school or be expelled or be prescribed stimulants for behavior, or, you know, the unfortunate part is Adolescent boys are still two to three times more likely to commit suicide than their female counterparts. And so we aim as Let Me Run to break that boy code and to help boys kind of develop their emotional toolkit so that they can navigate through those challenges. And so, you know, that they can ask for help and they can develop meaningful relationships and they can express emotions besides anger and frustration, and that they can be a good friend and that they can see what special skills they have to offer, even if it's not what society is telling them, you know, they need to be or must be or, or whatever. So, you know, and I think we look at it as investing in our boys and especially at this young age to develop them with that toolkit and that healthy mindset from a social, emotional and physical health Is only going to benefit society on the whole. You know, it'll benefit that individual boy and his family, but you know, then they can become, you know, we always kind of joke that good men, good boys, become good men. They become good fathers and husbands and colleagues and you know, just general, you know, kind of members of of society. And so um, that is really what what we try and focus on, and our curriculum tries to teach messages of you know, our lessons that I mentioned as part of our, our program, we look at teamwork and goal setting and um, personal values and self-esteem and conflict resolution and using one's power to empower others as a member of the community. Um, so those are, are kind of some of our lesson themes that run through all of the different versions of our curriculum, all different age groups. Um I would say those themes we then make specific and palpable and, and digestible for each age group as we're dealing with them. So that's really, you know, kind of what we look at from the boy experience and what our curriculum aims to do.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because as you were mentioning all those lessons, I was trying to think where else do young boys get these lessons? And the first thing I thought of was like a Boy Scout. Troop, you know, yeah. like because because typical team sports, you're going to do the sport like mm-hmm. you're going to play soccer, you're going to play basketball, you're going to play hockey. And though you do learn how to be on a team, how to win together, how to lose together, all those things. Right. The team coach is likely not incorporating life lessons <laughs> that are like so formal and specific to the like emotional development of the boy right
1: yes, I think you're absolutely right and that is something we we say is not only do we teach the skills but then we actually give boys an environment to practice them yeah you know the other part is you could have that really special soccer coach who kind of takes it one step further and and drills into some of these but then when are they gonna practice it with their own peer group or kind of have an exercise to go home and do with their siblings or with their parents. And so I do think that's a a very unique part of the program, too, is that um, they get to, you know, we cover the topic, but then there's an activity or component where they on the spot kind of need to play through it and put it into action and practice that.
0: So are you telling me my kid's going to come home and be nice to his brother's? (laughs) I mean, one would like to hope. Um, Um, I'm curious what you know about the research as far as like boys bonding with boys compared to like girls bonding with girls. Like friendship just looks a little bit different, right? Yes. I I kind of quietly observe, you know, how my boys hang out with their friends and whatnot. Um, But do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think,
1: you know, a lot of the research has helped us inform our curriculum that we do see and hear, you know, boys don't have as many meaningful friendships. And that starts to take root kind of at the early age when, again, they start to kind of think, oh, I can't or I shouldn't talk about all my feelings with my friend. I'll talk to them about sports or video games or the things that we have in common. Um, And part of that, it seems like from what I've read, it's, kind of has two roots to the problem is one is that boys and as they grow up truly don't have kind of the emotional vocabulary all the time to express that and then the second part is that society kind of having instructed or told them in some way of well that's not really what guys do Mm -hmm. you know they don't sit around with their friends and talk about you know how they're feeling or what's going wrong at school or, and and sometimes, sure. I mean, I think we all know as life gets tough, you know, maybe they, they will, but, um, but I think that's also a lot of the time, um, especially some of the numbers and data behind the suicide rate, even in men is because they lack that social support network that they can turn to someone for help and a, that they know how to ask for help but that be that they have people in their life who they could ask for help. Um, and so without that, they're kind of left out there and, and they don't know what to do. And so, um, you know, whereas I don't know about, about you, but, you know, sometimes I feel like a girl or a woman talks to a friend and you'll walk away knowing exactly what's going on <laughs> in her life and how the kids are and, you know, the good, the bad and all the details, um, you know, whereas a guy can sit and go have a beer with a friend and come home and they've kind of covered nothing in their lives. They talked about the sports they talked about. And I think it's that ability to communicate. And so um, that seems to be the reason behind a lot of the statistics that we see. Um, so that, again, is kind of why our curriculum is does try and focus so much on that emotional vocabulary, but also that connection and and friendship that they can see as well.
0: Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the, you know, okay, so old school way of thought, like boys will be boys, you know, they're rough and rowdy and blah, blah, blah. And now you see all these people with their cute little shirts on their kids that say like, boys will be respectful and kind and, yeah. you know, like, okay, my boy's not going to be like that boy or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> as the mom of four boys, um, they are rough and rowdy. And yeah. that doesn't mean I'm not going to work really hard to treat them to be kind and respectful. Um, but boys will be boys. So <laughs> in that regard, I'm curious, like your thoughts on, um, you know, you're you have a boy, you're running this program. Let me run like your thoughts on that statement and how we can navigate it and like nurture. It's OK to be rough and rowdy, but like these things are also extremely important.
1: Right. Yeah, so there's a great um, phrase that I've heard our our founders say that what we're really about doing is nurture the nature of boys, um, you know, that, yes, and since I have one of each, I can say they're very different, you know, I think just innately as two genders, they're very different, and there there are differences. And so I think there's absolutely a way of, you know, I always say my daughter from day one was just very active. You know, she didn't, she's always moving. But my son is active, but in a different way. Like Mm -hmm. boys are physical, Mm -hmm. you know, she's active, he's physical, you know, of just, they need, they're throwing their bodies around, they're slamming things or, you know, and it doesn't even need to happen in your own house. Like it's osmosis out in, you know, the world around them that somehow they pick it up. So um, I think that nurture the nature of boys is is just that. Yes, they certainly higher energy and they're more physical. But how do you take that and then also kind of get them to, I guess, see within themselves that there is also more to them, you know, that um, because I think for so many as they get older and some of that. Nature plays out, they start to get the messages of those are the good things about them, or they're acting as a boy should. You know, when they hear that message of the boys will be boys, or, you know, they're, I don't know, they get in a fight and someone tells them, you know, great job, you're so strong, or, you know, something like that. Those messages start to surround them more. And they're getting nurtured kind of negatively on that side. How can we take that and instead kind of supplement it with the other parts of who they can be? If that kind of makes sense Um, to us, I think that's how we try and, and frame it. It doesn't, there are absolute differences and no one's denying that it's more of, I guess maybe what we're looking at is it doesn't have to be all or none, you know, that it's, you're either all these things. And so check your, acting as a boy should or you're not. And so you're over in this other category. Um, I mean, what our mission statement now is, is talking about teaching boys to be their best selves. And so what does that look like? And I think that's as a a parent, too, all we kind of hope for is, you know, how can I raise my child? Or how can I, you know, if you're a coach, how can I help these kids be the best version of themselves? Um, It doesn't mean They're no longer rowdy or they're no longer physical or anything. But it also means that they don't have to only see their gifts or who they are through that lens.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's challenging to navigate. And and um, (laughs) I get so frustrated with the wrestling and the I. I, Oh, man. And at night, my husband's just like wrestling with them. And that's what they want. But I'm, I'm like, look, I'm dismissed. I'm not a part of this. And when you're done and you've calmed everybody back down, I will re-enter the situation. <laughs> yes. I'm dismissing myself, though, because I yeah. also grew up with three gr- with sisters. Like I was one of three girls and um, it's just so foreign to me. But, um, you know, I I'm curious how you all have seen running help teach them like communication and and those kinds of skills like we were talking about like what does the running part have to do with it?
1: yes yeah, so I think you know running was is kind of the best physical medium that we could use to teach these lessons um, and I think the first is that it's such a great sport for goal setting you know it's it's a very clear measurable, um, way that you can set a goal and measure your achievement and, and progress toward that goal. And that's a big, um, one of our big lessons in all of our curriculum. So I think that's a, a great one. Um, certainly there's, you know, what we all know and have read about the mental health aspect of running and, and the endorphins that will ride in for immediately previous conversation with, you know, boys just sometimes bursting with energy. What better way to kind of help get them that out, especially at the end of a school day or even in the beginning of a school day. But then also, you know, running allows us to, one of the things um, that we do try and focus on is the difference between internal competitive spirit and kind of the external competition in addition to the teamwork and support. So what we try and focus on and. One of the differences between let me run and girls on the run when it comes to that end of season 5k, even as ours is a timed event, okay. theirs is not. And so again, it's because we've used that as goal setting throughout that they've done, you know, a one mile time trial and a two mile and then another one mile to see their progress, and then to set their own personal goal for their 5k, and their the time that they would like to try and achieve. So that's a a critical component for us, um but then also, so running allows you to do that, but then it also allows you to be that great team member and that support. So you know the boy that finishes his two mile time trial in you know thirteen minutes will go back and run in his teammate mm, who's still yeah. out there and running it in. You know, 22 minutes. Um, and that's so, so that's good. a big thing. That he was able to push himself and go at his own speed, but then also to see, well, look at my teammates who are still out there and they're pushing through and I'm going to run out there and, you know, help them and support them. Um, and then I also think, you know, one of the things for us is we're hoping to set these boy on a lifelong healthy habits and um, healthy lifestyle and living. And so I think running is one of the great sports for that, because you know, it really requires zero equipment, um, you know, other than some shoes and the body that you have. and then um, it can be a social thing, but it can also be independent. You can kind of do it anywhere. And so if we're talking about trying to ignite a passion or an interest for these boys that they can carry with them, that's a great one to be able to do. So I think those are kind of the main reasons we've chosen running as that channel through which the the lessons are taught.
0: Yeah, I mean running can be such a staple in anybody's life. It's like you go to college, you go to the next thing in life. It's like you might not be able to like easily get on a road bike or you know I, exactly. find an elliptical machine or whatever it is like as a form of movement for your body and it's like I don't know, it's kind of beautiful to think of them ha- finding this home with running and knowing that it can just be a lifelong endeavor.
1: Right. Exactly. Cause I mean, you could be, and running is also think of most sports, not all certainly, but you know, for a lot of them, running is an element mm-hmm. in them too. And so we often find boys in the program, they do our program in the fall, but then they go play soccer in the spring. You know, it also is just a good thing to continue their own um, fitness. But I, the beautiful thing that I have seen play out with running is um, again, a lot of the boys, they do let me run. They're playing other sports outside of the program, but for a lot of them, they're not as active outside the program, or maybe they, you know, they haven't been making the other teams. And so they kind of think of themselves as, well, I'm not an athlete or I, you know, I'm, I i can not do much of that. Um, but then they get out there running and they see their own improvement and they get committed to it. And kind of a light goes on in their head of, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. And this is something I can do and I can do it on my own. And I don't feel like, you know, I'm letting down a team or whatever it may be. And so um, that's been really great. I feel like each season there's kind of, you know, often one or two kids on a team that you just see the first day they're out there walking, kind of didn't have much confidence in themselves. And then over the course of the season, they start to really realize like, I'm actually you know maybe i'm just not a basketball player but i can be a really good runner um and they can carry that with them as well
0: hey friends do you love sunglasses like i do if you love sunglasses you have to check out gooder if you haven't already done so they have functional fashionable really fun loud colors also really simple colors as well and they don't slip around or fall down when you're out and about on the go with your busy, active life. My favorite that I wear all the time are the Breakfast Run to Tiffany's. I also love their Aviator shades. And when I do like running races, I like to wear really fun, loud colors because why not? You can go to gooder.com and use the code Lindsay15. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y 15 for 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay. So I know you guys are kind of expanding where, Mm -hmm. like what locations, I mean, how many locations are you in? If someone is interested in trying to make this happen in their community, what's the process?
1: Yeah. So we are still building back a bit after COVID. Um, Prior to COVID we were in about 25 States and close to 40 regions across the country. Um, we suspended all of our programming from the spring of 2020 until fall of 21. Okay. Um, and we had looked at, you know, do we move to a virtual offering? And we heard overwhelmingly from parents of boys that was not <laughs> what they were interested in. Their, their boy was not going to sit in front of a, another screen or, you know, kind of be motivated on their own to do so. So we are now, we're back in about... 19 states right now and about 25 or so regions um, across the country. So we are hoping to first step is to get back to kind of where we were with our geographic footprint and serving as many boys across those regions as we used to. But, you know, we've been really fortunate that so much of our growth over the past 12 years has been more of a responsive growth two people seeking us out because they would like to bring the program in. And it's, I like to think, it's quite easy to do so. So if you'd like to start a team at, you know, your son's school, or you can also just start one at a community site. So if there's a, a park nearby and you think, oh, well, the neighborhood kids would, would be interested in this, um, you really just reach out to us. We have an expansion director who works with everyone who's interested in getting a team set up. Um, and it's you know really just what you need are usually that one parent champion who's the one, or it, it could be a teacher at a school or a principal administrator, um, but kind of someone who's going to go through the necessary steps to, um, you need to find two coaches. It's about 10 to 14 boys on a team. And then most part, we need to find a community 5K typically to enter. Some of our regions have, once big enough, we'll put on their own dedicated, mm-hmm. let me run 5K, but as I said, since ours are timed, it's much more intensive to put on a a 5K with the timing and all of that that's necessary. So, with areas where we only have a couple teams, we find a community race that we can that our boys can jump into. So, really, that's it. When you find the coaches, get the word out. um, You know, there's different principal acknowledgements and stuff that need to come from the school administration to agree to hosting the program. Um, And then you just get the word out and and get the boys registered. And we partner with folks through that whole process to get them into the registration system, kind of hold your hand through it, train the coaches for you. All of that our national staff will do.
0: Um, Okay. Well, let's wrap up here with some end of the podcast questions. Uh, I saw that you were into music. I'm curious, like, what's the best most recent concert you've been to?
1: Uh, We just, my husband and I went to so many concerts in New York and then past two years with COVID, um, obviously that stopped. But we did just go to an acoustic show here in Charlotte of Sam Beam, who is in Iron and Wine. Mm. Uh, He's actually from uh, your current neck of the woods. And yes, so that was a great one. Iron and Wine has always been a favorite. And um, I kind of forgot about them. Yeah, <laughs> he did kind of it was just just him and the guitar, not anything else. And it was a, a Sunday night show, which I think we're still proud of ourselves for getting to getting
0: to that. Yeah.
1: Um, So a, a nice, quiet acoustic show was just perfect for it.
0: Yeah. So. Sunday scaries go away. I've got plans. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. And so now we're looking at, you know, kind of some of the lineup of different things coming this summer. Yeah. Um, now that I feel like things are more open and such that we can really start to jump back into that.
0: Um, Okay. What's the best, most recent book you've read? The most recent one. I
1: just, um, I always tend to have a a book going on. Um, I read Somebody's Daughter. It's the memoir by Ashley C. Ford. Oh, Okay. Um, It was, I mean, I thought it was an incredible memoir kind of about, it's a little bit about accepting and, and knowing who you come from and where you come from. But not letting that dictate what your life becomes. Wow. Um, and then I also saw it as kind of her search for you know, unconditional love and acceptance and the realization I think that we all get to of you have to give that to yourself first before you're going to really find that given to you or that you'll be able to accept it from someone else. So it was a great one. It's it's heavy at times for sure, but it was a great read. I'd recommend
0: Um, what, where's a fun, like trip or vacation or just activity you've done with your family?
1: We, I mean, I feel like it's such a a stereotypical one, but, um, we took our six year old to Disney for her sixth birthday this year. And that I think will always, um, go down for my husband and I as, as one of the best trips we've ever taken. We left our three year old. Good call. probably why it was so enjoyable. I mean, I think, um, we were supposed to go April of 2020 okay. when she was only about four and a half and it got rescheduled three or four times. And we really came out thinking, you know, that age was actually, it worked out so much for the better. Um, cause she's at that age, it's, they're still young enough that everything's magical, but they're now old enough that they can do more rides. They can walk around without having to be carried her in a stroller the whole time. Um, so that was a great one with my nuclear family right now. Um, but my more childhood family, um, my siblings and I just went, um, about three weeks ago to the Grand Canyon as our first adult sibling trip without parents or spouses or, oh, wow. any- and, um, and that was a really great one to do as as siblings but also just um i think we started a a new annual tradition to to make that time and you know, you get to kind of know each other more as adults rather than brother sister you know someone's uncle someone's aunt whatever it may be um so that was a, a special one too
0: yeah and when you eliminate the significant others it gives you the opportunity to like be with them cuz i would like yeah. cling to my husband normally <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you feel I often feel bad at some point if we're talking too much about things from our childhood or our parents or something. That's not always the most fun topics for spouses to sit there next to you and, you know, kind of put up with all the the family stories either. So it was um, it was a good one to do. Now we're trying to figure out where we go next year.
0: Are you all Um, close, though? I'm not. I mean, my sisters would say, yes, we are close, but I don't feel like (laughs) I don't know. I, I would never like plan a trip with just my sisters. I would always like go to my friends. Yeah. Um, so like, was it awkward to plan that or no? No. I mean, it,
1: amazingly quick how, hap- how. Um, excuse me, amazing how quickly it happened. Um, so there are four of us, but we actually, so my older brother and I are full biologically related. Okay. And the okay. younger two are full biologically related. And then the four of us have the same dad. Um, there's a big age gap too, from the oldest to the youngest is about 15 years. Um, but we've grown up together and we're all close, but yeah, I mean, I I think it was kind of my one brother is in grad school out in Arizona and we were Christmas talking about that he wanted to see the Grand Canyon before he left the area. And I just kind of threw out, I was like, oh, well we should all, all come out and do it. And then within, you know, two weeks we all had plane tickets. Oh really? That's so good. (laughs) I think it's better to just not overthink it. Totally. To like, sounds fun. You're out there. Let's go. Um, you know, and and then we just kind of kind of went with it. So um, I think that probably made it a bit easier. And so it wasn't. Um, I think it was in many ways far better than any of us could have even expected. Mm. I, I do think going somewhere like the Grand Canyon where there is an activity, too you know, you're not just sitting on a beach and having to entertain each other or or yourselves. Um, So uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't awkward. And it was just kind of a, you know, let's, let's go with it. And so um, I I think the key though is to not overthink it.
0: Totally. I love that. Um, Okay. What's your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: Which, which hat to put on to speak about, Um, (laughs) you know, the one that kind of brings it all together since it's, parents listening, most part that, um, you know, bringing in, let me run and and my own love of running and kind of what we see in here is if you are one who runs, or even if you're not to try and find that activity to do with your child. Um, because what we hear so much and what I see out there as a coach, um, you find the activity that they can open up with. Um, and I think running is often that great one that, you know, over the dinner table, they may not tell you how their day was because it's a formal, awkward setting. Sometimes you get out with them, you know, on a road or a trail or a something, and it doesn't become as you know, like you're interrogating them or, you know, some of those barriers come down and we see that. I think I have felt it in run. I think adults feel it. You know, you're out there with your running buddies and you can kind of say anything because, you almost feel like whatever was set out there is is left out there. Um, and I've witnessed it in boys in our program that boys who are not friends in a school day will get out there and what gets them through their run is they start to find commonalities and similarities between each other that they can talk about while the time passes because they've got to run their laps. And so I guess that's one thing I would, would leave um, people with is just, you know, because I think it gets to us all trying to see how similar we are as opposed to these days, see how different we are. And that can be with your, your child or with a friend or anything. So I don't know, for me, it's always find an activity that you can share with someone and get out there and, and do it. And you'll both probably be better for it and learn something along the way.
0: All right, everybody, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Emily, for coming on the podcast. So excited to learn more about Let Me Run and all the work you're doing there. You all can learn more about Let Me Run when you go to letmerun.org. Learn also about everything we talked about, books recommended in this podcast. When you go to sandyboyproductions.com, you can sign up for our newsletter and get that emailed directly to you every single week. That's um, basically just the show notes and links to what we talked about. We did add a new podcast to the Sandy Boy Network. It's called Ready to Run. If you are into running at all, um, we have a doctor of orthopedics and a doctor of physical therapy hosting this show And it's really great. I'm really proud of it. Our Sandy Boy Productions team editor, Emma Benner, is doing a wonderful job with that as well. So go check it out. Go subscribe. Leave them a review. Leave us a review first, though, if you haven't done so. We would love that on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for being here. Have a really great rest of your day. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?